The Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. Good afternoon. This is Tim Reedy from American Media sitting in for Father Matt Malone. And this week you're listening to our smart Catholic take on faith and culture. And I'm Father Eric Sundrup. I'm filling in for Carrie Weber. And as we talked about, we're going to be looking at articles that are analysis of the intersection of the church and the world gathered here by the team at America Magazine. We're also joined by um, Vivian Cabrera, who works uh, at America Magazine. We're glad to have you with us today, Vivian. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Yeah, thanks, Vivian. Mm-hmm. Um, not your first show. You've been on a couple yes. times now. Oh, so. she's, she's an old pro. Time, so she's we'll, an old pro. We'll see how it goes. Uh, right now, we're going to bring in our friend, Brother Joe Hoover, who's been sitting here patiently. So, br- Brother Joe, uh, Brother Hoover, um, <laughs> article, we had this discussion earlier, what, what should we call you? Uh, we have an article uh, here, No, There Is Not a Civil War in the Catholic Church. Joe, maybe you can just start. Uh, what inspired you to write this? Who were you writing it for? Was it for us or <laughs> specifically for your coworkers? <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. I, I, it's really great to be here. I, uh, you know, I just do see a lot about the divisions in the church that people talk about constantly, whether it's in Catholic media, Catholic commentators, panels, groups. To you know. Um, uh, discussions in um, you know evening seminars that kind of thing and I just don't buy it I don't believe that that touches into the reality of where people actually live in their real day-to-day lives as Catholics um, the article is about church issues not so much about political issues that there's division between Catholic Republicans and Catholic Democrats it's about the neuralgic church issues as they say that it seems to be if you're in the Catholic media echo chamber like it's called um, that we're all talking about, but most people aren't. I just don't think they are. And as a Jesuit, I've had a great experience and a great chance to kind of all of us, Father Eric and all the Jesuits who work at America and elsewhere, have been all over through experiments and working and teaching and giving retreats and giving talks and going on pilgrimages or doing summer immersions and have been able to be with people where they live and how they how their lives actually are. So that's a, a great gift as a Jesuit. And I just don't see people engaged in all of these sort of neuralgic Catholic issues around Vatican II or women priests or homosexuality or gay marriage or birth control or conservative or liberal approaches to uh, liturgy, things like that. Not that those aren't real and people have opinions, but it's not where they live. People don't live on those issues. Yeah, you mentioned like you've ministered in uh, the Upper East Side of Manhattan in Berkeley, St. Paul, Chicago, New Mexico. You're from Nebraska. New Orleans. So you're you're definitely not just talking about coastal Catholicism here. You're talking about the whole uh, United States. And what you're seeing is that people, what they're really passionate about are their families and their kids and um, and, and the Eucharist. I mean, that it's really the essentials of the faith. Yeah. I mean, you know, people, they keep showing up because of the Eucharist in some ways, you know, um, and because of community in their schools, you know, their kids are going to the schools. Um, and, you know, in my experience, a lot of people from all stripes uh, are in love with the Pope in a kind of his straightforward way. And that sense of really being with people where they're at and calling them to something better and reminding us of mercy and love and the fundamentals. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, I've been to more places than is even in this article um, and and kind of just not always to give talks and kind of be with the upper the leaders, but kind of just in the pews with people where they're at, you know. I, I was I was thinking about this article this past week, and I was I was home for a um, 
college reunion. So um, I was hanging out with some friends, and they asked me a question, and I remember getting like super fired up about it and start like I start getting passionate and discussing it and a, and a good friend of mine turns to me and goes I love how you get passionate about things that I have absolutely no concern about <laughs> or, or I'm not keeping keeping track of and it was one of those moments of wow this is exactly what this this article uh, was talking about I was like what you don't spend your whole day worried about this particular issue and my friend was like no I don't have time <laughs> Yeah, I did, when I first read this article, I was at, one reaction I had was like, "Oh, this is refreshing." Like people, mm-hmm. like don't like the essentials of the faith are what are most important to them, you know, um, and that's a good reminder for all of us who get sucked into talking about these issues and maybe forget about some of that stuff sometimes. My other reaction was like, I was slightly depressed. Like, oh, these are really important subjects that people should be passionate about. Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't we all care about the quality of our liturgies or, you know? Vatican councils. These are things that, like, as Catholics, what I find rich and satisfying about the faith is that um, there's a great intellectual tradition. There's, there, there's so much that I learn about the church every day, and I work for a church organization. Um, I want others to share in that, too. So I had this kind of mixed reaction, but I, I think, Joe, that's probably what you were going for, is to provoke people a little bit. Well, I'm kind of just <laughs> interested in saying what seems real to me, yeah. which I think is helpful, maybe even just for my own sake to put it out there, that, like, I, you know, there comes a point in when you're thinking about an article or something that's just you just you just got to say it. Um, you know, whatever whatever people think. Uh, I made the arguments as best as I could, um, and I think you know there's a, probably a lot of people who've already left the church, and maybe there's a self-selecting aspect to this. People who care a lot about issues that are neuralgic, um, that would have a lot of problems with the church. Maybe have already left, you know, to some degree. So there's a common core of people who are there for, you know, what the church is at its fundamental core. Um, and um, so, like know. like what Tim said, it is a great reminder for all of us who are kind of in this echo chamber. Um, when we go to mass and we encounter just normal everyday Catholics, that they're not always talking about this, and we should step back and take a look at it. Um, you have a great uh, little quote here about. Um, how Catholics do not focus on like quarrels like a dubia. Does anyone really know what a dubia is? Which I was like, it was great. None of no one I talked to outside of the circle knows what what that is. They care more about um, is the choir good? A friend who sings and she just gets really upset when the choir we're at is not the best, right? So then they're just that's what they're focused on and that's what they're trying to to make sure they can get their kids like to school on time, like you mentioned. Um, so this was a really good reminder just to take a step back and live out our Catholic faith um, in the daily kind of interactions and in the going to mass and just living what it means to be Catholic and not to focus 100% all the time on this like tension that we find on uh, Twitter like, right? exactly yeah, like step back from that and just go and like live what it means to be Catholic right Twitter a video game for journalists <laughs> that's perfect well you I mean you are our social you know you help mm-hmm. monitor and run our uh, Twitter yeah. feed so you, you probably see this more closely than the rest of us uh, mm-hmm. what was the reaction to, to Joe's article when um, it came out I mean it was the timing was perfect because he mentioned that a New York Times published i think the day before the catholic church is in a civil war and i think immediately we're like we published this yes no it's not um and i think just for normal catholics who read our publication um i mean this this resonated deeply with them um but for them for our fellow journalists who are also kind of um reading us and following they it was a little uh, more difficult to or like uh, to remind them to like not step out of their kind of um, little world and realize that this is the reality of most people um, and their experience of what uh, church is. I wonder, Joe, like, do you 
consciously like I think as a journalist we kind of have to keep mm-hmm. an eye on on social media and Twitter and just to see what the conversations are going on but I wonder if in some way that can hinder your own pastoral work sometimes and that like if if you're all like for example do you spend a lot of time on Twitter and do you see some dangers in engaging too much on social media and not engaging with you know the people that you've ministered to more directly uh, no that's a great question um, I mean to, to some degree I'm not you know, all over social media. I don't have a Twitter account, you know, very little social media engagement. So I fully admit that that there's a piece to this that I'm not engaged with. But, you know, it's in some ways, it's the professional's job, for lack of a better word, to know what's going on there and to help to feed people what is important and what's going on that they might not be thinking about. This encyclical, that issue in the church that does impact their lives that they might not realize why did Vatican II do this or that? Um, there was a priest at Creighton who went to give a talk about Pope Francis's encyclicals and some of his teachings to a number of priests in Kansas. And this is nothing to say to criticize those priests, but he asked him, have you read his encyclicals? Have you, well, he didn't say, have you read them? Have you talked about them with your parishes? Have you talked about his teachings with your parishes? And they all said no. So there's a degree where people could be more informed about the things that really could enliven their faith, but it's maybe not happening to some degree. Right. Um, yeah, I wonder, like, Eric, you wear these two hats, too. Like, you're, you're a professional journalist, professional Catholic, for the lack of a better term, <laughs> at America, um, but you also work in ministry in settings where people are not as engaged or as obsessive about these issues. Yeah. How do you go between those two tracks? Because sometimes I find it difficult. Like, I can talk the language of the professional Catholic, but when I'm asked to talk the, the language of, you know, faith sharing, that's more challenging to me because that's not that's not where I live every day. Yeah, I think there's there's a gear shift, and sometimes you can you, you, you hit the clutch and you do it well, and then sometimes you do it and the whole car lurches. <laughs> I, I, I have found myself... Uh, I have found myself giving a homily about something I thought was, like, the pressing matter of the week. And, like... Uh, looking out in the congregation and seeing like people look at me like I am talking like I've come from another planet you know and then I'm like I have misread something and so I I I've adjusted on the fly so it's I think it's an awareness and an ability to listen to people's experience and I think that that's what I, I well I love this I was I was I was teasing um Joe before we got here I, I wanted to introduce him as like the Jesuit that I most often like to disagree with because <laughs> he's usually got something right that I don't want to admit at the time and I become a better person for having argued with him about it whether I do that in person or just read his article obsessively and make notes on it uh but I've, I found that stuff like this calls me into uh, more attentive listening to what's going on in people's lives. And some people are going to ask those questions, and I feel uh, some of those questions, Vivian will get a hold of me when something comes in on mm-hmm. social media, that she's like, well, how would you answer this? Uh, but I also do pastoral work. I hear confessions. Um, I'm listening to people's lives. I do baptisms. Um, you know, people are asking me questions. I'll tell you this much as a priest, uh, uh, you know, 80% of the questions I get are not about who has what appointment from the Vatican. Archbishop Cicluna. Cicluna has come up very rarely. (laughs) Uh, More questions about um, how do I keep my family together? Um, How do I pass on the faith to my children when I barely understand the faith myself, but I know there's something really crucial here? Uh, There was a line I I frequently say uh, about um, people that disagree with them, like ecclesiology or something. I say, we agree on the creed, but after that it gets a little dicey. (laughs) And I had a friend say to me, Agreeing on the creed is a lot. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot in there, and I think that's uh, what I take away from 
uh, Joe, in, in this article, like agreeing on those key concepts that uh, uh, God loved us so much he sent his son into the world to save us. Like, you know, we say that quickly. That's a lot. There's a lot going on there. And, and you talk about uh, people that don't even know how to express that entirely, but uh, it, it matters uh, deeply in that article. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a really important thing. A question I kind of have in light of this, you know, you talk about those two hats. Do you think this, you, you, you write this article in the context of the, Catholic, the supposed Catholic Civil War. Do you think this is also a little wider critique um, on professional punditry and the way media has evolved in the social media age? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think that, you know, I'm I'm no like social prophet of political <laughs> the political landscape, but it is true that there is a lot of out of touch ness, for lack of you know, about what's happening in the country. And the election of 2016 was such a clear evidence of that. That people that I knew in a certain community were in a certain world were so convinced that. Donald Trump was going to get creamed in the election. So utterly convinced. Even one of my rock star heroes, who's supposedly the man of the working class, <laughs> thought that he was going to get destroyed. And so there is a lot of out of touch, you know, people. Um, but there's also, and a friend of mine, actually a Jesuit friend that Eric and I both know, we also talk about the fact that a lot of the world, like it's so American to think that what we care about is what the rest of the world cares about. Most of the world, so much of the world is people trying to survive, people trying to keep their families together. There's so much poverty and struggle out there. It doesn't say all these issues don't matter, but the reality is that, and even in the U.S., I was talking with a, a, a Jesuit pastor who talked about his parish, which is, which is largely Latino, and he said they care about the church sex abuse scandal, for instance. And by the way, this was written right before the scandal, the new one kind of hit, but that's not where they're living. You know, they're living on how to build the church that we love. How do we work, you know, work and, and, and survive in the, in this economy. Um, that's, that's where they're kind of operating out of. And I, that's in churches all over this country. And we mentioned, we live in like this echo chamber, which, um, what gets me wondering, like, what can we do as journalists to speak to the reality of, um, everyday Catholics? If they're not as interested in what kind of we're living, what can we do to help or to service them? Yeah, I mean, you know, as I was thinking about this article, I mean, America does that very well, actually. I mean, we get letters um, or article proposals for the Faith and Focus team, which I work on, about the daily, about suicide, about dealing with my father's Alzheimer's uh, diagnosis, um, about divorce, mm -hmm. about being a chaplain in the military, about being a, um, dealing with opioid addiction. So, you know, we do a great job of giving voice mm -hmm. to those stories in places like that. Um, we also had a young um, intern or an America fellow two years ago, Wyatt Mass, who wrote a great article. Uh, he went out to Kansas and did a piece on a parish in a uh, small town in Kansas. And that's right up his wheelhouse in the, you know, going to where people live and what's actually going on, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, for not just journalists, but I'll just kind of tell myself, when I was a Jesuit, um, I was studying to be a priest. I became a brother later in my formation. But I had my issues that I thought people needed to hear about. And when I was a priest, I was going to preach on X and Y and Z and call everyone to a task. And 
that still happens mm -hmm. with priests who actually become priests <laughs> and create these self-selecting parishes and communities and aesthetically how it's going to be. And I'm going to have a piece in the article, which, um, you know, you create the church that you want it, that you've always dreamed of as a child that, you know, sweeping fantasia of marble archers and gold leaf and so on. And which can be okay aesthetically, whatever. But like, is that really what people are looking for? Is that your vision of what the church is and how you think you're certain it should be? So are you actually listening to people where they are at? Mm -hmm. um, or whether you're a journalist or a priest or a lay leader or anyone, are you coming with your vision and f forcing it on people? Because those kind of churches can create self-selecting communities. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, it happens all over the place. Their own echo chamber again. It becomes, right. the, the church community becomes the echo chamber. Right. You only go right. to church. You only go to liturgy with the people that agree. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. you know, or agree, but see see God or have the image of God or the, the, mm -hmm. the practice that you, that you have. Yeah, same vision right. that you have. Yeah. And that's one of the things that uh, Father Malone is trying to do with the magazine is a place for a diversity of viewpoints, uh, not just political viewpoints, but also of life experience, and you know, hearing from people like you say in the faith and focus section, that that is something that distinguishes us from your standard journal of opinion. You know, we are engaged in intellectual questions. That's part of the apostolate of of America, but we're also we care about you know the progress of souls. <laughs> you know, we we publish yeah. the word column, which is a scriptural reflection, and so that's um, that's something unique we can offer. I think I think it's it's it. it it's not surprising that America would do that. It's, a, it's the Jesuit review of, of faith and culture. Right. The Ignatian and Jesuit charism is going to demand that. And I think, uh, Joe, in in this article, what is demanded here is not simply a habit or practice or some kind of uh, skill of listening, but there's there's also a spiritual component to, to being able to listen to other people and to make yourself open uh, in the sense of listening to where the spirit is alive and working and not just what you will, but to, to pay attention to the spirit. And that's not like, you know, just something you learn in a workshop, a professional workshop or administration. That's a, that's a spiritual practice and habit that has to be formed. Exactly. Um, you know, I do it poorly myself and, and all Jesuits are just learning bit by bit. But oh God, I'm, I'm really bad at it too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll, I'll... But the way I've finally determined how it is, it's, it's are we predetermining where the spirit of God is? before we listen to the Spirit of God? Right. Are we predetermining that it is in my vision of the church, that it's in my aesthetic vision, my vision of how um, a magazine should be, a sermon should go, a committee, a lay committee on a church, is my vision prioritized over listening to where God actually may be calling us? And that kind of freedom is very difficult to finally attain and we go up and down in it but it is about being indifferent and free to where god actually is whether rather than where we think god is or should be and it's yeah i i would say it, it takes it's a, it's a habit that takes a lot you know right uh, people often ask me like an analogy for the spiritual exercise and i i end up very much in like marathon training uh, analogies mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. is this is not about like the perfect technique, but this is the day in, day out, put your miles in over and over and over and over. And I think that's a that's 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 the type of practice we're we're talking about. Right. And uh, I think it's something that's extremely important. You know, I asked the question to you earlier, Joe, about whether this is an implication of of media in general. Uh, I, I I don't know that you were doing that, but I would ar I would argue that it, it, 
it could be a good implication, and that and that the the, the, the practice of freedom and uh, abandoning preconce- preconceptions and being really open and indifferent, that is a crucial. Uh, uh, I, I'm trying to avoid the word skill. I'm looking for another word. Mm-hmm. Uh, practice necessary for I think survival in the in the in the in the world we're being deluged with all this uh, information. Yeah, I mean, I. Look, I'm a, I'm as skeptical as anyone about institutions or about, but I really buy Ignatian, the Jesuit um, thing that I've been taught about discernment. Where is the spirit actually alive? And it's really challenging to kind of, um, you know, break free of the fossilized <laughs> vision that we or I or anyone will have um, about how things should be. So yeah, I, I buy discernment. Um, it doesn't mean everything's up for grabs. It means there are those places, though, there we really have to be called accountable. Is it us or is it the spirit? Do you think these these challenges are particularly difficult in places like New York or you know Los Angeles, where um, it's a lot of smart people together, you know, but are passionate about issues, but maybe we're not hooked in as well as you are to you know the regular Catholic or uh, you know the regular citizen. I'm going to make Joe answer that first. <laughs> no, of, look, no, 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 of, of course. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, look, I come from Omaha. Omaha, like New York is about conflict, about being better, about <laughs> Omaha is like, hey, we're not partisan. We're just trying for the common good. You know, it really is. It's like people take delight in just being sort of even handed and above partisanship uh, to, some, to some degree. there a tourism campaign that hits the... Oh, yeah, new tourism campaign. Nas- Nebraska's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what it is. But, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely in a very small world here in some ways. I mean, new- Manhattan itself is a very small town in some ways. It's wonderful, um, and it does amazing... You know, it's, it's created an amazing country to some degrees, but, yeah, it can be very small in, at times. Right. Well, I value having people like yourselves as part of our work environment, because you um, not only from these places, but often travel to these places. Um, and we have Jesuits coming through all the time who may just be with us for a couple of years who are coming. And that's part of why sometimes Jesuits are moved around is because you're getting different life experiences. I, I think that's a, I don't know if it's always intentional, but it's a, it's a great accident of a, uh, when you move a Jesuit around a lot, uh, you can't, you can't get stuck in whatever bubble it is because you're going to get moved to another place and all of the you know, I'm 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 from the Midwest. I grew up in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, it, I I also love the concept of the Midwest. I don't really know what it exactly. <laughs> it, uh, it's a state it, of mind. It's a state of mind more than totally. a geographic location. Mm-hmm. But I was t- I was joking with a friend. It took me about a year and a half living in New York to get a little thicker skin. And like you know, if I get bumped on the street, I just keep moving. <laughs> uh, that is an, a maladaptive skill where I'm from. Because if you bump someone on the street and keep moving. Uh, you have offended them, and you're probably related to them. So you gotta, <laughs> like someone's going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. So this, this, the different components of, right. of of ways of being. It's 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 an interesting setup. And Vivian, you're from Texas, so <laughs> yes, def- so, definitely different. Yeah, and same kind of speaking on that. Um, I whenever I go home after living in New York for a few months, um, my entire family complained that I was a lot meaner. <laughs> I, I'm, I actually think I'm a pretty pleasant person, but I you are. I'm, I'm just more direct. 
but they see that as, as you are very rude. Um, like I'm just you. You just it, it's not um, appreciated here as it is in in Texas. Um, Sarcasm. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I always argue it's. It, I think it's more of a function of just the sheer number of people in sp- in, a, in, a, in an amount of space. I, I don't. I don't think there's. It's mm. I, when we co- characterize it meanness. I don't think that does. You know. Yeah. I, I fell down on, on the subway once. I've never had so many people try to help me. It was like un, unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 mean, but it's, but. We're talking here about that experience of difference and that experience of a different place forces you to think differently about what's going on and then to analyze so that that air you were breathing, the water you were swimming in and realize it's around you Mm -hmm. and it affects you and understand it differently. And I think think an important point that Joe makes near the end of this piece, and we just got a couple minutes left that I I think is worth uh, lifting up, is that there's a real danger to focusing on this division and discord that, as you say, Joe, the more you focus on it, the more you suspicious we actually may become of each other. So, like, this is can be very toxic. So we, it's, uh, it's, it's not just a working hazard, but it can really affect your relationships. Yeah, and again, I make the analogy with teaching. I've taught grade school. I'm teaching grade school right now. I've taught high school. Eric's taught uh, high school, um, and there's that t- those two kids in the class that are taking a lot of your attention (laughs) and they're taking attention from the kids that want to learn that are doing great stuff that are like excited to be there but your your attention if you're not aware of it is going to those two or three kids that are acting up and it hurts the whole class and i think that is a good analogy for you know for this stuff i mean father martin was protested by 200 people in chicago for a talk he gave um, about Jesus, it had nothing to do with his book about building a bridge. But there's like there's like five million people in Chicago. That's two hundred, you know, or maybe it was one hundred. Who knows? But so, I mean, the line you've got in the uh, uh, the article: "The more you feed the wolf, the bigger the wolf uh, gets." I, I think yeah. that, that 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 reads to your point. Yeah. But if we feed the wolf, we'll get better numbers on Google. So. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but then the wolf will eat us, <laughs> and or Google. Uh, so yeah, the, yeah, it's it, it's going to make you ask a lot of difficult questions. Well, and you do need people to engage with the people in the echo chamber, so to speak. Right. Those know, are, and share. It's like America's thing. What is the church speaking to the world, and what is the world speaking to the church? So this is you can't ignore it entirely. No, you've got to speak to each other in the media world and the the movers and shakers in the professional media and church world. But, you know, you've got to stay grounded. Well, absolutely. Well, again, the article is no, there is not a civil war in the Catholic Church. Uh, brought to us by Brother Joe Hoover, who I should mention is our poetry editor as well. <laughs> so check out our, our poetry at americamagazine.org. Uh, he's also a playwright and an actor, and you live in Brooklyn. So um, people should also look out for your creative uh, creative works out there. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank uh, my colleagues here, Father Eric Sundrup and Vivian Cabrera, for joining us. Uh, it's always good to have you here. And uh, to remind folks that you can read all these articles uh, on our website at americamagazine.org. Org, um, and somewhere here I have the subscription number. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, <laughs> um, here it is. Okay, thank you very much. So you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash americamag or on Twitter, speaking of the echo chamber, at Twitter. <laughs> is that at americamag, correct? At americamag, correct. Is, is our Twitter handle. And to subscribe to America, you can please call 1-800-627-9533. That's 1-800-627-9533. Uh, for Tim Reedy, Vivian Cabrera, and uh, Father Eric Sandrup, we want to thank you so much for joining us. And uh, to remind you that uh, Brother Joe Hoover, uh, you can find his pieces online. 
Uh, thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Channel, Sirius XM 129.